0: Good flex, but okay
1: podcast beginning in five, four, three, two, one. Hey Jen. Hey okay. Kate. What's going on? What's new? What's fresh?
0: Um, it was crazy windy here yesterday. Uh,
1: really? If, if you're from, our weather.
0: Yeah, if you're from Southern California, you know what I'm talking about. Winds galore. So many trees, like or just ripped out of the roots.
1: Damn. That- that's, a, that's a dangerous time too because that's when the fires whip up.
0: Mm-hmm. Actually, it's really sad. There's this little like grassy area right outside our um, apartment mm-hmm. complex and there's this gorgeous tree and it's, it's so beautiful and it got ripped out and it's just so sad because it's just like the prettiest tree and Aww. now it's no
1: more. Well... This is Weird Flex But Okay, we're starting on a low note with yeah. some sad tree news from Southern California. Um, my name is Kate.
0: This is Jen, the sad tree and... reporter.
1: Today in sad tree news, and uh, today we're talking about lords and ladies.
0: Not trees.
1: <laughs> none, none of mine have to do with trees, personally. Um,
0: none of mine do either, I don't think.
1: Okay, I'm glad you did check. <laughs>
0: yeah, confirm, moving on.
1: No more she talk. She is ladies. And you better believe it. I'm lords.
0: And I'm really excited for this one. I have some really good things to share.
1: Oh, my God. Mine is wacky. Mine is cuckoo bananas. I'm excited. (laughs) I had a really good time. I have, like, a lot of stuff going on. But then, like, I sat down to really, like, research and write these notes. And the whole time, I'm literally typing. You can see me, but they can't. But I'm typing just going, Oh, my God. <laughs> she was, like, having a great time, like, scrolling through different websites, just, like, oh, no kidding, <laughs> like, a total chatty <laughs> Kathy about the dumbest crap. I, I listened to, like, the research I live for.
0: Yep, I literally, I had to, like, stop myself from just, like, writing research papers on these <laughs> topics, because I was just so Same. into it.
1: <laughs> yeah, this is also going to be a t- uh, an episode of topics that if you want to do some outside research based on art, like the things that we're giving you, like this is going to be a good one to look into because yeah. we've got some stuff that like we just literally don't have the time to yeah. go into it. But I go first, we yeah. think, and it doesn't matter because we're always right. <laughs> so this this is a short one, but this is a really important one because Jen, yeah. it's that time again.
0: What time. Our favorite time.
1: It's etymology time. Yes. I thought we were going
0: Girl Scout cookies again and I was, so I was trying to think if there's a Girl Scout cookie that had like lord in the name.
1: I'm going to make one. Um but this is also a special etymology time cuz this is new nickname time for me.
0: Yes. <laughs> yes. This is yes, another favorite time.
1: <laughs> so, the word lord comes from an old Germanic tribal word that represents their chieftain as a provider. And didn't look up how to say this, but I'm doing it anyway. Hlafweird. Laugh weird. Hlafward? <laughs> Laugh <Laugh> <laughs> it starts with it's an H. It starts, it starts with an HL. <laughs> so we're just starting there. Um, which is translated to either breadkeeper or the new name I want to be exclusively referred to as Loafward.
0: <gasps> oh, you are the I'm the butter maiden and you're uh-huh. the Loafward.
1: It is I, your love lord, Kate. <laughs> so that is the etymology of lord, and it's not the etymology. I thought it was going to be for lord.
0: It is not.
1: <laughs> All right, you're up. What you got? All right.
0: We're going to start off the ladies segment. Because oh. it's ladies night in the field. <laughs> <laughs> um, with nothing to do with that song. Uh, we're going to start it off with an infamous woman. The lady in red.
1: The Lady in Red. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Please don't, please don't stop listening. We really like you.
0: The Lady in Red is referenced in several songs and movies mm-hmm. and books throughout history. But who exactly is this person that it's gave a- the Lady in Red an infamous characterization? Her name was Anna Kumpanas. Or... Yeah. She later became known as Anna Sage. Ooh. After moving from Eastern Europe to Chicago, she became the madam of her own brothel after some time as a prostitute.
1: We and love like, a lady moving up in the world.
0: Yeah. And then she got married. So she was married when she moved there and got, then got divorced. And then she got had a second marriage to Alexandru Suciu. And um, they had to change their surname to Sage to be more angelicized because America hates immigrants and, immigrants of course, sounding names, especially in the 1930s. Mm-hmm. In 1932, she divorced Alexandru and opened her second brothel. Her past as an immigrant and former prostitute, and now as a madam, led to the threat of deportation because authorities deemed her to be an alien of low moral character. Same. (laughs) Shortly after the threat of deportation began weighing down on her, she began to be friendly with notorious bank robber John Dillinger and his lover, Polly Hamilton.
1: Oh, it's getting hot here.
0: (laughs) Anna decided to secure her U.S. residency by making a deal with the FBI to help them catch Dillinger. She promised to wear red and be with Dillinger at the Biograph Theater so that the FBI agents would be able to easily identify him. This led to his death outside that very theater. And it is said that she actually ended up wearing orange that night, not red, like she promised, but the but the lady in orange doesn't have quite the same ring to it as lady
1: in orange
0: because nothing rhymes with orange mm, orange <laughs> now you'd think that this story had a happy ending and that anna kupanas would have been given her permanent residence in the u.s and lived her life out there right
1: i feel like it's not going
0: great Yeah, well, as mentioned before, the U.S. government hates immigrants, and unfortunately, the FBI could not stop the government proceedings, and she was deported back to Romania the same year that she helped them catch this infamous bank robber. Dang, man. Yeah, so moral of the story, we've been doing immigrant women wrong forever.
1: I wish we would change. You know, do you ever just wish that we weren't the way we are? Yes. <laughs> it's just, we're the worst, right? Okay. So for this one, I'm going to put my glasses on.
0: <laughs> okay. Uh,
1: because it's, we're we're about to get esoteric in this bee. Oh. All right. So this one was a request um, by somebody that I've known for a comical amount of time, Mr. Ben McCullough. Um, and he likes to get super weird. Um, and he hit up my DMs just telling me she has the wackiest fever dream of a story about something he just read about and wanted to know if I'd put it on the pod. So this one's for you and also for me. Yes, okay.
0: hit me with it.
1: Okay, I'm going to tell you a brief and confusing story that does not follow the timeline and makes zero sense.
0: <laughs> yes, those are my favorite.
1: Uh, and that is the story of Count St. Germain. So his name is unknown. It wasn't Count St. Germain for sure. Um, his name is unknown. He went by a vast and comical number of names, all noble titles that could not be verified. Um, He was born either in 1691, making him 93 years old at the time of his death, or 1712, making him 72 at the time of his death. Honestly, either way, that's pretty freaking old for the time, so, you know. Um, But his... But he was a favorite in courts of a few different monarchs, though everyone was very aware of how far fetched his stories were. Even the court jesters would make jokes about it, doing impressions of him and saying things like that he was the advisor to Jesus and stuff like that. Um, Voltaire even sarcastically called him, "quote the man who does not die and knows everything."
0: Ooh, I <laughs> yeah, which <want to> is.
1: <laughs> I um, know. I kind of wish it wasn't sarcastic because it's kind of a dope thing to say about somebody. But um, was he just an 18th century con man? Or did he actually know things that other people didn't know? Was he from the future? Was he immortal? Uh, where the hell did he come from? So one thing that we know for sure is that he was extremely educated, something that didn't exist in non-noble circles at the time. That led people to very easily believe that he was a noble in some way or at some point had been. I think so. Um, So... He spoke several languages well, and even more languages not super well. They believe, though, based on his accent and the way he spoke, that his native language was either Spanish or Portuguese. That's just an observation from people around him. Um, He was a writer. He was an alchemist. Um, He composed an extremely large amount of music. And he had a deep understanding of science and art. Um, And also he could talk his way into nobility with no proof of his lineage wherever he went just people trusted him he had that kind of personality um he was yes he was a complete mystery and you know what here's the thing he still is when he died no heir or family came forward to collect his estate additionally he had nothing of intrinsic value among his belongings no gold no jewelry no gems, which he was very into gems at the time because every, like, rich dude was the equivalent of, like, a middle-aged lady now back then. <laughs> he had no, no jewelry, no personal items whatsoever, not even his violin, which he composed on violin, so that's weird. And no correspondence or notes to even assist in gleaning who this man was or who knew him. He had nothing. Um, he also didn't die with any real debt, though, So if he was in the middle of some sort of con, no one even knows what that con was. Today, he lives on as an inspiration for tons of fictional weirdos, examples being characters in the novel The Magician and an Immortal Alchemist in the sci-fi show Warehouse 13, which is super underrated, by the way. I love that show. Um, But there are many people who believe that he never died at all. He just moved on to his next location, a la cullen family in twilight so that people didn't start questioning why he didn't grow old and die and where's his
0: next location i don't know
1: um there's well there's people like people who were like into like theosophy and stuff in england who said that they saw him but also those people are crazy so not sure um but yeah that's the plotless story of the count saint germain
0: oh i like him
1: yeah. Um, I don't believe him to be that, that problematic of a character, honestly. He also never took a wife that anybody knows about, never had any children, nothing like that. So he was just
0: what out there
1: knowing things. Yeah, he was, he was just out there knowing crap before other people. Also, there were some questionable things with snakes. I, don't, <laughs> I didn't get into any of that because, sorry, Ben, I couldn't find, whatever book you're reading, I'm sure it's wackier than what I read, but I couldn't find out whatever that was, but um but yeah, that's he it was just one of those historical characters that had had there not been tangible evidence that he ever existed, like um like there's an engraving in the Louvre of a of a portrait of him and stuff like that, I honestly would think that maybe he was just an amalgamation of other stories and didn't exist. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah. So, but but there are definitely yeah. There's definitely people in history who had experiences with him. One of them, particularly, was a Dutch prince who was like obsessed with him and thought he was the smartest man on earth. <laughs> so uh, he kind of ran a really long grift on him and ended up dying, basically employed by this Dutch prince. But yeah. So that's the Count Saint Germain. And if you want to fall down a Wikipedia hole that you will never recover from, that's one you can go down. Ooh, fun. Yep.
0: All right. So Kate, we just recently had a big moment in US current events.
1: UK, I don't even know what it is.
0: We got a new president.
1: Oh yay. I am actually really excited about it. It's uh okay. things are things feel lighter. Things do feel things feel lighter. a little lighter. Things feel more stable. But yes, yeah. go on.
0: Okay. <laughs> With a new president comes a new first lady. <gasps> lady. What may I'm be just surprising t- to some. God aka me Mm -hmm. that the title first lady did not come with the first president but it took several presidents to actually be used Mm. martha washington was referenced as the first lady of the nation but it was 40 years after her death okay there are several similar mentions throughout history, but it wasn't until newspapers and reporters were able to expand their reach that it became more common to refer to the wife of the president as the first lady. Oh, Frances Folsom Cleveland, known for her youth and attractiveness, was called the first lady of the land multiple times throughout Cleveland's presidency. Then when Caroline Harrison moved into the White House, the title continued, and she was even called um, the First Lady of the Nation. Okay. And then um, following Harrison's term, term, Cleveland returned, and once again, Frances was back as the First Lady of the Land. And so after that, those transitions... The title just continued on and it referenced Ida McKinley, Edith Roosevelt, and Helen Taft. And so it kind of just became popular with the current wives that was going on. And so then it became popular to use it to reference the former wives, the presidents. And eventually it got shortened to just first lady. And it's just kind of been tradition now to refer to the president's wife as first lady.
1: That's really interesting. Do you think maybe at first they didn't want to, like, give anybody a name that felt like English nobility?
0: Maybe. Um, I read that they had would, like, call them, like, Mrs. President or the mm-hmm. President's Wife um, was kind of how it was used to describe them. But um, I think a lot of it had to do with, like, the President's Wife didn't do uh, that much until mm-hmm. a little bit later on um and so they weren't as well known or if they were known it was kind of in a smaller
1: no that circle. makes perfect sense is is the first lady like an actual like positional title
0: i now? don't. i don't know i should have looked that up it's not like in the constitution or yeah. anything so i think it might just now be kind of a,
1: um, like a volunteer I it position essentially a
0: Yeah, I think it became a little bit more formal with, they said, Eleanor Roosevelt because of everything she did. She kind Mm -hmm. of developed the role of the First Lady, Um, but I still think it's kind of more like a volunteer.
1: Yeah, because I know um, with particularly – I mean, there's been a lot of First Ladies that have been super, super influential, Mm -hmm. Um, but I know that like, in our present knowledge – Michelle Obama was like, she had a finger in everything. Yeah. And uh, and like Jill Biden, our current first lady, who I find a, to be a very inspirational person, but even She's as the doctor. second lady, oh my God. Yeah. She is a doctor, by the way. Okay. for people who are like she has a doctorate she's not a doctor she can use doctor in front of her title shout out to my mom dr funk okay (laughs) she's a medical she's not a medical doctor but she put her time in so shut up yeah she did
0: a ton of work to get that
1: (laughs) yeah did you do that did you okay but but like yeah even as the second lady they were putting an unbelievable amount of time and work in, and they're you know pretty they're like the most faithful advisors essentially
0: yeah, and it is really interesting because since we have our first female VP, we oh, also God. have our first second husband.
1: I find that so great. It I was know.
0: I when I was watching the inauguration and they said that, I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is like I wonder if they had a whole discussion of like how do we or if it just came out like he's going to be the second husband."
1: Yeah. I think also I was reading, and I don't know how completely accurate this is, but I was, you know, decent source, that he has stepped down from his law firm to basically fill that role, Um, which I find very good because that's an expectation. Yeah, that's an expectation whenever you are the wife of somebody in a high, uh, like a very high power like that. That's the expectation. And then you also get kind of ragged on if you don't step down from your career. So to see a man just kind of like effortlessly say, no, I'm going to take a support role for this, you know, these four years. That's my responsibility at this time is to be in a supportive role. I think that's really great. So men out there, if you expect a woman to do it, you really got to expect a man to do it too.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, so that's, that. re- that's real feminism right there.
0: Snaps.
1: Snaps for real feminism. <laughs> that's really cool. I did not, I didn't, I guess I never really thought about when first lady would have come along i mean yeah i, yeah, I never, never really thought about it either and that's why i was
0: like i'm gonna look up when it started like is that something we've always done
1: yeah out, I love no, it. it's, not. it's kind of the point of the podcast that we, <laughs> something we never thought we were gonna learn <laughs> right that's really cool I, I appreciate that thank you also timely yes and shout out to these to the second husband yeah and of course, First Lady Dr. Jill Biden, who is man, also not stepping down to be the First Lady. She's mm-hmm. con- she's continuing to teach community college. <laughs> so,
0: and also to the newest dog of the White House and the oh first rescue dog.
1: This is true. Um, never trust a president who doesn't like dogs. Mm-hmm. I think we all learned that lesson, didn't we? Yeah all right (laughs) so let's get into something uh i want to say non-political but you know what screw it this is this is as political as it gets we're getting into some harry potter (gasps) that is all right okay as a lover of harry potter who would you say that the character lord voldemort is most likely based on
0: (sighs) i want to say hitler like i feel like but after like seeing the Fantastic Beast movies, I feel like, what's his name, Johnny Depp's character? I'm totally oh specific. Grindelwald. Grindelwald, thank you, is supposed to be more like Hitler. So then it's like, well, then who's Lord Voldemort supposed to be? But I'm going to stick with Hitler.
1: Okay, so um, I have this a compelling argument as to why vo- Lord Voldemort is Hitler. So before I even start this, I'm going to say that J.K. Rowling did say that she based Lord Voldemort on Hitler. <laughs>
0: Okay. Other people have I was said, like, oh, it's is like one chamberlain. of chamberlain a series of her tweets.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's the thing. It's like she said that, but like she be she's she be be saying, saying things. <laughs> she do she do be saying things a lot. Okay. She, things things have gotten pretty turned up on J.K. Rowling's Twitter. <laughs> so, um, but I'm going to give you uh four compelling reasons and similarities why Lord Voldemort is definitely Hitler. Give it to me. Yeah. All right. So. Uh huh. Present, uh-huh uh, uh-huh let me present this to you number one both grew up largely without mother figures or strong parental bonds leaving them cold and angry Voldemort's mother passed away when he was very young um and he did, ended up in an orphanage mm-hmm. and also hitler's parents passed away when he was very young and he was raised by family who didn't really give that much of a crap about him um take care of you kids y'all so he ended up becoming very withdrawn, very angry, very cold. So that's similarity number one. Number two, both of them had questionable bloodlines that they fought very hard to hide. Mm-hmm. So Voldemort's grandfather was likely a muggle, and Hitler's grandfather was very likely a descendant of a Jewish family. And it kind of became like all of this anger and abandonment issues boiled over into scapegoating of the side of themselves they hated the most and those groups of course became the ethnically cleansed groups in both the fictional world of harry potter and the real world of the world we live in it sucks so boo hiss ethnic cleansing that's my hot take that (laughs) is
0: extremely hot take very controversial
1: (laughs) Yeah, we say something controversial yet brave. We don't like ethnic cleansing on this podcast, um, but uh, number three, they were both powerful and charismatic speakers who could brew negativity in people and unite them against a common though undeserved enemy. This, if you've ever seen video of Hitler speaking. It seems in the view that we have it now, like he is just ranting and raving and screaming and freaking out. But if you look at it from the lens of someone living in the 1930s, no one had ever seen anything like that in their lives. No one had televangelists screaming at their TV at 2 a.m. Nobody had you know, people with a passion protesting in the streets and yelling into bullhorns. Nobody had that. It would be people standing calmly, speaking dully, in a, the most droll voice you could imagine into a microphone and Hitler came out there and he had opinions with a capital O and he would get fired up. So when someone felt like they were being treated poorly and they were being ignored by their government and somebody would come out there and scream, you're treated poorly by your government and you deserve better. They're like, whatever, whatever you say, I'm in. And that, rolls and rolls and rolls down the hill until it becomes the worst thing you could ever imagine. Voldemort, same thing. People were butthurt about every single thing in in Harry Potterville. And that turned into the same thing where he was a fired up charismatic speaker. Um, He also had powers that they didn't understand because he used dark magic. And so they thought that he was capable of more. And he was kind of, but in a bad way. Um, So, that brings us to number four, which is their use of propaganda and imagery drove them to power by making them appear more put together and official than they actually were. So the propaganda used in the Harry Potter films and the which it's very clearly based on the propaganda from the Nazi era, mm-hmm. especially whenever you see the transfer of power to dark powers in the Ministry of Magic, you notice that like the drapery they hang and just like the angles of things and stuff Mm. like that. It's much more like that Nazi Germany type of clean line put together type of thing. And the fact that it didn't look like it was held together with dreams and duct tape made people believe that this is an official thing and it it feels better. It makes them Mm. feel less stupid. And so that, of course, lets people kind of bring their guard down a little bit. Whereas, like, if you see a libertarian with a boot on his head, you don't trust him as much as somebody in a very crisp suit. Yeah. Even if you're kind of talking about the same thing, let's be honest. So, um, but yeah, how do you feel about it? How Are you Are you now 100% convinced?
0: Yes, I'm now 100% convinced.
1: Okay, good. I, do, I, I didn't also even thought, like
0: no like a lot of that it was just kind of it was more like the general ethnic cleansing yeah similarities that i was like oh that's probably who it is but like breaking it down like that it's like oh it is he's voldemort is i saw an argument that i he want, was... want to mix yeah. up the letters and spell voldemort is hitler
1: yeah oh my gosh <laughs> i can see it now um what was his middle name morvolo i feel like we could we could turn it into hitler somehow yeah um but,
0: a uh, H in his name, but we'll make it work.
1: We don't. You could turn things on its side, whatever. So uh, it's magic. Also, I saw people saying that Hitler was based on like uh, like Stalin and like Neville Chamberlain and oh Hitler. <laughs> <Lord Voldemort. laughs> I was they're like, the Hitler same person based
0: on someone. What?
1: They're, they're the same person to me. <laughs> um, so I've gone so far in believing now, but uh, they were saying that uh Voldemort is based on like Neville Chamberlain or Lenin or Stalin like all this kind of stuff and just like yeah they're all just baddies like historical yeah. baddies so that makes sense they all what, like what makes someone a historical baddie is kind of the same the same cloth they're all cut yeah. from generally the same like angry cloth um but I also saw people saying that Dumbledore was uh I can't remember his name Winston Churchill and I don't, I think you're reaching too far. To I say think that Dumbledore yeah. Yeah, other than just being on the other side, I think that Dumbledore, yeah. uh, good and bad, had a little bit more good in him than Winston Churchill.
0: <laughs> Show me <laughs> the car facts.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Show me the car facts. <laughs> but yeah, so that is the compelling and 100% accurate and bulletproof argument that Lord Voldemort and Hitler were the same person.
0: Love it. Okay. This is my long, long one. Oh boy. We can't talk about ladies without talking about another infamous lady and a specific color. Mm-hmm. This time, we're talking about the white lady or the lady in white. Okay. Probably the most well known ghost across the world. And I say this because almost every culture in several countries has a version of the white lady. The white lady is a female ghost that is typically dressed in a white dress or garment. Shocking. And her backstory is often associated with an accidental death, a murder, or a suicide. And there's a heavy theme of loss, unrequited love, and of course, betrayal by a husband or fiancé. Oh. (laughs) medieval legends tend to say that if a white lady appears then a family member will die soon they can also appear in a photograph just before death or right after now that we have a general sense of who the white lady is let's Mm -hmm. talk about the global variations of her it's time for me to poorly mispronounce things
1: oh it's such a beautiful time to be (laughs) alive.
0: Brazil has the Dama Branca or the Mulher de Branca. And that sounds good. Thank you. She is the ghost of a young woman who died of childbirth or violent causes. Oh. Canada's legend is that of a young woman whose fiance was killed fighting the British. So she jumped from a waterfall in her wedding gown, and now she hunts the waterfall and surrounding area. And one of the waterfalls is even named the Chute de la Dame Blanche. So the white waterfall.
1: That's me. I just, <laughs> I just want I needed to start with Chute.
0: <laughs> Next up, we have Percha of Rosemberg, <laughs> who was the daughter of a Czech nobleman. She was made to marry a man that she did not want to and led an unhappy marriage. As her husband treated her poorly.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: On his deathbed. He asked for forgiveness. And she refused. So he cursed her. And now she haunts the castle. And the other holdings of her late husband. Which okay. she really got the short end of the stick. Like yeah, right? she got treated. Poorly by her husband. Okay. And then he curses her. Because she doesn't forgive him.
1: Just give it up dude. <sighs>
0: that's,
1: that's very interesting. Also. None of these legends pass the Bechtel test because all of them are dudes are the worst, basically. Yep.
0: That's why the, the theme of betrayal by a husband or fiance is very common with a the white lady ghost.
1: It runs strong in this one.
0: Esotonia's white lady was a woman who fell in love with a priest and hid yeah. in the castle disguised as a choir boy. Ooh, hot. <laughs> but was found out by a visiting bishop. So she was confined inside the walls of the chapel as her punishment.
1: I know this one.
0: Now she. Oh my haunts- gosh! You've heard this one. Yes. Yeah. So now she haunts the castle, mourning her lost love.
1: I feel like. I feel like Zach Biggins told me about this.
0: He, pro- he probably went and toured this castle.
1: Yeah, it's about her being walled up. Like yeah. I forget, there's like a word Maybe. for that particular you type of emerged. execution. Yes, 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 yes. yes.
0: Yes, because I was like, what the heck does that mean? And then I was like, oh, this is That is the worst of all, right? There's another one. So maybe that might be the one. Okay. All right. Next up, we have the German castle Berliner Schloss, which Mm -hmm. has a white lady that's been linked to two famous historical women, a countess who murdered her children so that she could marry Albert of Nuremberg, and... Bertha of Rosenberg, who was overthrown oh. by Percia, who got cursed earlier.
1: Oh my God, we all know each other.
0: <laughs> there is also a manor in one town that is said to be haunted by a woman who took a lover while her husband was fighting in the Thirty Years' War. When he Ooh. returned and caught them, he killed the lover and locked her in the walls of the manor, but gave her food and water so that she would survive. And then he returned to the war, where he then died and was killed in battle. So then she ran out of food and water and died in the walls of the house, and now haunts that
1: manor. It just doesn't check out though, because how much food and water do you realistically need? Yeah, I mean, her?
0: honestly, she was gonna die either way. No, we not band
1: sure. back then. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god!
0: Um, in the Philippines, it said that if you drive along the street valete drive in the early morning you will see a white-clad woman in your rearview mirror very briefly or perhaps you are a taxi driver and a beautiful woman dressed in white asks for a ride late at night only when you look back at her she's covered in bruises and blood (sighs) this legend is based around a woman who died in a car accident on that road in Thailand, there's a story of a group of teenagers who visited a deserted house in the suburbs of Bangkok and all died of accidents later. Yeah.
1: Final destination.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the teenagers claim to have seen a woman with long hair dressed in a white gown at the house. This woman has been deemed a vengeful spirit by a medium, and they named her either Dao or Duin. So, those are just a few of the different versions of the white lady from around the globe. I could go on forever. It's Mm -hmm. another rabbit hole if you want to just, like, get into it. I skipped over the U.S. and the U.K. because they alone have so many white lady legends. Like, I'm pretty Mm -hmm. sure, like, every state in the United States probably has a white lady legend.
1: People Um, ghosts are always wearing white.
0: Yeah. So... Um, But the main thing is that it has to have to be classified as a typical white lady ghost has to have that theme of loss and betrayal. And, you know, she either her fiance or husband died. And so she throws herself off the waterfall or she was betrayed by her husband and
1: men. Am I right?
0: Yeah.
1: That's terrible.
0: That is the white lady ghost.
1: Oh, the white lady. Well, you got your paranormal, and I'm about to get my murder. Yes! Finally, after four murderless episodes, I finally need to kill somebody, for God's sake. <laughs> um, this one's actually, like, pretty sad. Um, so, not the saddest I've done in any way. Um, in December of 2014, a Brooklyn landlord by the name of Manahem Stark... I think it's Manahem. It has a CH. He's a Hasidic Jew. If, if I'm wrong, I'm very sorry. I think I'm pretty sure it's Manahem. Um I'm not going to say it again, though. Um, he was found dead and very much on fire outside of a <laughs> Long Island gas station. Oh, shoot. Um, also, if you're going to light a body on fire, don't do it outside of a gas station. You could kill people, other people oh, that aren't the yeah. dead person. Um, so Stark owned several properties in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, and was a member of the Satmar Hasidic community, which are Hungarian Hasidic Jews. Hasidic communities are notoriously tight knit and tight lipped and tend to deal with things on their own rather than involve outside authorities. That being said, it didn't take terribly long to find out who killed him, because they were stupid. The (laughs) murderers were four cousins who worked as contractors on building sites owned by Stark. They had not been paid in a timely manner for their work, and they were pissed. Apparently, on top of not paying the cousins in a timely fashion, Stark had also dabbled in some good old-fashioned money laundering and fraud to the tune of several million dollars, and he also owned a russian loan shark over a million dollars yes money was a little bit of an issue for stark he wasn't great with it so much so much so that the new york post printed a tactless as heck front page story entitled who didn't want him dead we got sued for we got sued for that Um, ultimately though stark's death was just a stupid accident the Adobe Cousins meant to hold him for ransom, but instead killed him by asphyxia through compression after one of them sat on him for too long.
0: God.
1: So rest in peace, Manahem Stark. No one deserves to die for being super bad with money.
0: Oh, that that was a roller coaster.
1: It was a wild, it was a wild ride, murder, fire, uh, being sat on to death. Russian loan sharks it's got everything you've ever needed
0: <laughs> all right well let's talk about something a little bit lighter and happier now
1: I'm all about it
0: ladybugs oh I love them. Mm. so why do we call them ladybugs the bug part is obvious enough but maybe perhaps the lady part is not <laughs> my lady part is never obvious <laughs> Ladybug itself actually refers to about 5,000 different varieties of small, nearly hemispherical, and brightly colored, spotted beetles.
1: I relate so much to them because I, too, am nearly hemispherical.
0: <laughs> <laughs> These beetles fall under the category...
1: Ooh. Here we go.
0: Coccinellidae. Coccinellidae. You got this boo. <laughs> um, they have also been called Lady Beetle and Lady Bird, which is the preferred way to call them in England, is Lady Bird.
1: Oh um, I never thought of that.
0: My favorite is that historically they've also been called Lady Cow.
1: <laughs> oh, Lady Cow! <laughs> That makes no sense. It's so cute. It's so cute. They <laughs> oh, like tiny little cows, I guess. <laughs> lady cow. Okay, there's spots. Now I get it. Okay, okay. I'm with you now.
0: <laughs> okay, so where exactly did the lady come from, though? Well, yeah. it seems lady is an allusion to the Virgin Mary because the seven spots specifically on the... Coconella septimetata. Cunamatata. <laughs> <species>. <laughs> the Cunamatata species was thought to represent the seven sorrows that the mother of Jesus suffered.
1: So <laughs> we there, do be bringing it religious no matter what.
0: Yep. So from there, the nickname kind of stuck as a reminder of the Virgin Mary, and that's where they got the lady from.
1: Oh, that's really, that's cute. All right. Listen, Jen. Yeah. I freaking love this one. Oh, I'm This excited. is my last one. You know that I like to end it on something fun and festive and silly. Yes. So, you're going to love it. I love it. So, in the beginning of, like, the late 15th century, beginning of the late, in the late 15th century, <laughs> um... <laughs> There were a lot of people doing a lot of jobs around the king, particularly in the household. So many people wanted FaceTime that they divided even his most minute daily tasks into careers that boosted people to power and influence. Things like helping him put his shirt on in the morning, helping him with his hair or lack thereof, cutting his food, every single little thing, every moment was a different person's job. And the most important of these jobs, was the only person who was ever truly alone with the king It was (laughs) a nobleman i'm telling you it was a nobleman called the groom of the stool or what was later yes or what was later known as the gentleman of the privy chamber this particular position was held by a man of noble birth a lord who would literally hang out with the king while he went potty, wipe his butt, and then examine his poop to report back to the king's doctors. (laughs) Yes. The groom of the stool also got to hear all of the king's deepest, darkest secrets, and most importantly, bend the king's ear when things needed to get done. Alone time with the king was completely unheard of outside of this position. He would even sleep with his wife with other people in the room. The Groom of the Stool ceased to exist with Edward, with King Edward VII in 1901. By this point, they weren't wiping the king's butt anymore, probably, but they were tasked with his more intimate dealings and were still a very close confidant. There is, though, a holdover position in the British government that has a similar title. The Lord of the Privy Seal still exists to this day, It was once, yes, it was once the person in charge of the monarch's personal correspondence, someone who knew all of the secrets, essentially. Um, Now, though, the position is kind of a House of Lords non-job that basically acts as a spokesperson and advisor. It's currently held by a woman, by the way, a baroness named Natalie Evans. And that is the story of how the person who wiped the king's butt became... One of the most historically powerful people in England and the world, essentially.
0: Oh, I love that. Yep. New job goal. Be the the groom of the stool.
1: Oh, God. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? I mean, they didn't have the same squeamishness. Yeah. Because they also were like still pooping in open pits and pooping in like an actual privy or like a closed in box was rare back then. I wonder if if that's
0: why you say like you're not privy to that because.
1: That is yes. That is exactly why. Oh. Yeah. It's like that the the bathroom was considered to be the only private chamber.
0: I like this. I like that a lot.
1: Now you know. Now when you're in the bathroom and we're sending each other Snapchats in the bathroom, I am our cats
0: are our grooms of the school, cause
1: Oh, <laughs> well, so not true. They're the only people who are consistently in there when we use the bathroom.
0: <laughs> okay. I am gonna wrap things up with a delicious treat.
1: Oh, good timing.
0: Kate, are you familiar with lady fingers?
1: I am because I like a good, uh, I like a good tiramisu.
0: <laughs> Same. <laughs> For those who are not familiar with them, they're very. They are used in tiramisu, but they are oval-shaped cookies or a sponge-style cake, and they're shaped like a large finger. They can also be known as boudoir biscuits.
1: Oh, I like that.
0: I, love it. I knew. I was like, this is what we're gonna call them.
1: That sounds so gross to me. I love it.
0: <laughs> Sponge biscuits. Don't like it. Sponge fingers.
1: <laughs> that, that gave me the weirdies. What was it?
0: Naples biscuits. Okay. Savoy biscuits. All right. And biscuits à la cuillère.
1: Biscuits à la demi <laughs>
0: <laughs> They are most commonly called lady fingers, though since they resemble the fingers of a woman, thin and delicate.
1: <laughs> Maybe my Can't fingers. I got wiggling
0: my thin and delicate lady fingers.
1: I have I have like sausage. I have like hot dogs I, for fingers. My fingers do don't taper at them. any point. They're just the same width <laughs> the whole way down. <laughs>
0: This delicacy is used often in elaborate French and Italian desserts. And the recipe itself is thought to have changed very little in the 900 years it has been around. 900? 900. That's nuts. Some cool key historical points are Uh that back in the 11th century, in the House of Savoy in France, that's where it's believed by historians to have originated and then spread throughout Europe because of the marriages of the descendants of Bertha of Savoy to European royalty. So it started in the house of Savoy. Those kids and descendants married out and took that recipe of ladyfingers with them and spread that throughout Europe. Okay. Um, There's legends that say the Tsar... Peter the Great of Russia and his wife Catherine enjoyed Ladyfinger so much when they were visiting Louis the Fifteenth that they bought the baker on the spot and sent him directly back to St. Petersburg.
1: I mean, I like a good cookie, but I don't feel like they're that good. <laughs> I feel like that's something that really, realistically, I any mean, you could probably just buy the recipe.
0: That is a weird flex. But is,
1: okay. Yeah. That is, you are flexing on us. I bought the baker. I'm like, all right, cool. Does he even speak Russian? I mean, they didn't really speak Russian, though, because they were Habsburgs. But anyway.
0: Specialty Bakers, Inc., a small bakery in Marysville, Pennsylvania, has been practically the main supplier of ladyfingers in America since 1901.
1: A ladyfinger lady f- monopoly?
0: Yeah, they are known as the ladyfinger specialists.
1: Something about finger specialists, even if it's a. That
0: that is again a weird flex. The lady finger
1: specialist. Oh, I'm a specialist. What kind? Are you a cardiologist? No, a lady finger specialist.
0: Sponge (laughs) fingers
1: for me, thanks. The
0: boudoir biscuit specialist.
1: (laughs) The old boudoir biscuit.
0: (laughs) Um, And so it's believed that, like, the first French settlers brought the recipe.
1: makes perfect sense.
0: But that this small bakery, since 1901, has kind of held the monopoly on ladyfingers.
1: Well, I'm going to get really good at baking them, and I'm going to start holding the monopoly on ladyfingers outside of the U.S.
0: Do it, I dare you.
1: Don't you ever dare me. You know I'll do it. As if I, have, <laughs> I don't even have time to sleep. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like yes, really yes, if you baking. have time
0: to learn to bake ladyfingers.
1: Please. Um, I do, I do, tiramisu is my favorite dessert, by the way. But yeah, so, uh, this was a ballin' episode. It was. It it went in every possible direction, and I had a great time. This is a funny one.
0: I learned so much (laughs) about so many weird people.
1: That's, I, I love biographical facts about people that you're just like, what is going on here? (laughs) We learned about ladies in red. We learned about ladies in white. We learned about
0: first ladies and second ladies. First
1: ladies, people who wipe butts for a living, Uh, rich butts at that, special butts. All right. Monarch butts.
0: Citation (laughs) street time.
1: (laughs) It is citation street time. I started, so I'll start. Okay. So, when talking about the loaf ward, (laughs) uh, I got that from Wikipedia, etymology. talking about the Count St. Germain that come from an, that that come that came from an old as hell website by David Pratt called the Count of St. Germain and from Mr. Ben McCullough in my DMs telling me a wacky story that I loved immediately. Um, Lord Voldemort is totally Hitler came from whatculture.com and do 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 Manahem Stark came from the village voice in the New York post And The Groom of the Stool is from HistoricUK.com and Medium.com.
0: Okay, I had Anna Kumpanas, her Wikipedia page. The White House Historical Association with the Origins of the American First Lady. The White Lady was a Wikipedia page and, oh my gosh, there were so many countries and, excuse me, stories that I did not cover um so many stories and locations I did not cover and then you can click the little blue link to learn even more about them it's a rabbit hole for sure love it Merriam Webster had a ladybugs spots and what's cooking America gave us our ladyfinger history
1: very nice i love it this was uh this was a really good one if you have sponges for fingers if you are an esoteric count who's very into alchemy um if you are zach bagans and you may be immortal if you're zach bagans and you took my airbnb from the getty villa um yeah i don't think we even talked about that on this episode no (laughs) we did okay no way we
0: didn't that was before we recorded (laughs) <laughs> I think, right? Yeah.
1: I'm going um, <laughs> <But> still, <laughs> still I, I'm willing to start a few with ZB. Um, but if you have any crazy stories um, that you want to share with us, you can hit our DMs. You can email us. We can be found at weirdflexpodcast at gmail.com or at weirdflexpodcast on the good old fashioned Instagram. Contact us, tell us your story. And we'll probably put it on a future episode because it gets kind of weird to Google stuff so many times and we really like it when we can hear it from you and pitch it to us, get us interested. Um, If you want to support us, the best way to do that is to share us with the world, share us with your friends, your families, your uh, groom of the stool. You can just let people know that this is a podcast that you learned something silly from. And uh, hopefully we'll get a few more listeners out of it, and we can keep on doing this forever.
0: And we forgot to say this at the beginning, but thank you, Mariah, friend of the pod, for giving yes. us this topic.
1: Idea. Yes, thank you, so. Mariah. You're you're always holding us down. But <laughs> that's it for this week. Um, next week, I don't even know what we're gonna do.
0: Rinse and repeat.
1: Rinse and repeat. So that that should be that should be a good one too. I'm yeah. looking forward to that. But yeah, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.